0: This is Beat the Closing Line with Nicole, Mo, and Eli. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside NFL analyst for the lines.com, Eli Hershkovich and Mo Nawara. Sorry we're a day late, but as always, you know the drill. We are going to be taking a look at opening lines, handicapping the games, talking about how we think those lines might move as we inch closer to game time for NFL week Nine, before we dive into the discussion, make sure to give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the YouTube channel and ring the bell so you know every time we post a new video. And if you are listening to us where you get your podcasts, make sure to subscribe to the Beat the Closing Line pod and make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Pod so you can have a chance to win an Amazon gift card. The guys are 18-13-1 and one with their against the, against the spread pick so far. Eli, talk about NFL Week 8 for you.
1: Yeah, another so-so week. I carried Mo through the first, I want to say, four or five weeks, and now he's carrying me. I believe I went 0-2 with my podcast picks, and in week eight, Mo went 2-0, and did come through on the back end with Green Bay, decided to bet the Packers after looking at that injury report before kickoff, and then Browns plus three and a half, down to plus three on Monday Night Football came through. So good season for me. Overall, not a great last couple of weeks, Nicole. So lucky to pick it back up for the crew here and for our listeners.
0: We got this. We're, we're turning a new leaf. Mo, 2-0 and o for you on the pod <laughs> last week.
2: 2-0 and o with two very strong plays. <laughs> and didn't bet that much more than that, to be honest. I didn't really like last week's card, but... Really loved Browns and Packers. They both came through big time. I was uh, actually watching um, Monday night in Resorts World in Vegas. My buddy gets treated like a king there. So he took me out to an extravagant dinner and I added some Browns money line live there. <clears throat> so nailed that one for, uh, I think, plus 140 is, is what they were dealing over there. It was a good week to be backing the Browns. Didn't have to sweat much.
0: I even got to see you in Las Vegas, although I did not get to give you the star treatment, but Mo met me after Halloween bingo, but I didn't win. So we, uh, we didn't get the (laughs) VIP (laughs) treatment. Um, that is awesome. Congratulations. Where did you eat? Maybe what was what steakhouse?
2: No, we went to this, like, I think it's like a, an, Asian fusion type of place in there. Foohoo. Yep. It's
0: a good spot. If you guys are out in Las Vegas and uh, my cousin happens to be one of the bartenders there, so I can't hype it up more than that. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top us sports books all in one place. special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lions Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports bettor. All right, let's let's get into our week nine bets. The Washington Commanders are coming off of a 17-16 win against the Indianapolis Colts and will now face the NFC North leading Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings have won five consecutive games and are three and a half point favorites this week against Washington. But Eli, you cannot help yourself. We're back on the Commanders bandwagon. Why do you like them at plus three and a half in this matchup?
1: Yeah, we have talked about the Washington Commanders on all but one podcast episode this season. <laughs> so apologies if you hate Washington, but on the bright side, if you hate Dan Snyder, the Commanders. Formerly Redskins owner, he has hired Bank of America to sell the Washington Commanders mm-hmm. finally, and it is the Kirk Cousins revenge tour going back to D.C. to take on Dan Snyder for one last time, or face <laughs> Dan Snyder, I guess, for the first time, depending on how you you want to look at it. But a couple different angles in this game make me side with Washington. I bet Washington plus three and a half on Tuesday night. You can check out our Discord channel, subscribe to the channel, and Get all of our notifications when we make our NFL bets along with our college basketball bets, which start next week. So Washington has the fourth highest pressure rate this season across the NFL, despite blitzing about league average. And now you get Chase Young back into into the fold to go along with an elite defensive line with Payne, Allen, and Sweat, and especially in the interior. And you go back to that Vikings-Cardinals game last week. Think about this. The look line for this game was Vikings minus 2.5, probably a little bit juiced. I think Steven and I are going head-to-head head yet again. He bet uh, Vikings minus 2.5, minus 115. And now the line's up to 3.5. So Minnesota getting some credit after another one-possession win. That's five, I believe, five straight one-possession wins while getting outgained in yards per play in four of them. So again, the variance is trending towards Minnesota and they're taking advantage of it, but how long can it sustain itself? And going back to that Cardinals game, Cardinals got a lot of pressure against that Vikings interior offensive line. Derrissaw is playing really well on the outside. I'm I'm surprised by that. And I think the Vikings would admit that they are too as their, I want to say second year left tackle. But uh, again, on the interior, they can be exposed. Kirk Cousins, clean pocket rating, accuracy rating when he's not getting pressured is number three in the NFL in comparison to a 31st under pressure accuracy rating. So Cousins does not perform well when the opposing defensive line and teams who blitz, again, Washington doesn't need to blitz to get pressure, but Cousins isn't great when he's up against pressure and the commanders can do just that. And they can also stop the run too. This is a going back to last season, a top five rushing defense defense in expected points added and success rate. And then on the other side of the ball, this shell zone that Ed Donatel runs is extremely exposable. Their bottom 10 in opposing passing attack that success rate through the air. We've seen it constantly. Quarterbacks dice up this zone defense, where in the defensive backfield, I know Patrick Peterson is actually playing a little bit better of late, but beyond that, Cameron Danceler continues to have up and down weeks. So even though it's Taylor Heineke. And yes, it's a two-game sample size where he beat the Packers, he beat the Colts, the Commanders overall are riding a three-game winning streak, but he has an above-average completion percentage over-expected CPOE in those two starts. And again, small sample size, but he is playing well, and he did play against that Gus Bradley cover three zone defense, going up against another zone defense this week. So I think the Commanders getting that over the key number of three with the Vikings continuing to get too much credit in the market at six and one, a fraudulent six and one record. (laughs) I backed Washington.
0: We have seen the line move in the commander's favor the last three games and they've covered in each one. I've actually been impressed with what you what we've seen in Heineke, Like you said, small sample size, but I've been impressed with what we've seen. I like Washington here as well, but I also maybe I'm crazy like the over at 43 and a half Kirk Cousins through for 232 yards and two passing touchdowns last week and Heineke had 279 passing yards. Both of these teams are rank high for passing attempts and passing yards per game. And I think that is going to lead to a good amount of points this weekend. Probably going to have to sweat this one a little bit more than my Miami dolphins team total over in, uh, last week where I think they hit that in the third quarter, but, uh, I yeah, like to the, done there. Yeah. I got to plug my, I got to plug my plays here as well. Um, <laughs> thank you. But, um, but yeah, I, I like the over here. Mo, what do you think?
2: I'm much more in agreement with you than Eli. I, I thought the, uh, Line was about fair for this game. Uh, I definitely do like the over quite a bit, though. I was really surprised to see the total was this low. Uh, 43.5. Yeah, that seems really low with two very capable passing offenses I, against passing defenses that I don't have that much confidence in, especially uh, the commanders. They're 28th and pass defense DVOA, um, which... Their EPA isn't that low, which that's telling me basically, since DVOA is schedule adjusted, that's just basically telling me that they've played a pretty weak slate of opposing passing games and and they're still having success beating this secondary. Beautiful day uh, in the forecast. Uh, I'm being, my buddy was telling me there should be. Some bad weather in some of these Midwest games this weekend, he was telling me. But I, I checked the forecast and it looks like a, a clear forecast in Washington. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I like the over quite a bit. Um, I do think Taylor Heineke has brought a legitimate upgrade to the table. I mean, he's playing better than Wentz, I think. Uh, I like that he's the aggressive sort of bad when you're looking at a bad team like Washington I, I think if you're going to plug in a bad quarterback you want it to be a bad quarterback who's going to take chances and that way maybe variance can fall in your favor you know uh, so I, I think he's a decent fit uh, and, and uh, their weak point has been when he gets pressured uh, I've seen him make quite a few kind of silly mistakes when he's been under pressure but uh, the Vikings uh, below average in pressure rate. They never blitz. So I, I don't think he's going to be under a ton of duress here.
1: Yeah. And to your point, Mo. really quick Vikings add TJ Hawkinson and to Nicole's point too with the over. So if the commanders can't get pressure, then this secondary is very exploitable.
0: Next up, we have my local team, the Las Vegas Raiders who were shut out. Actually, sorry. Well, let me just take that back. We have the New Orleans Saints who shut out the Las Vegas Raiders, my local team, 24 and 0 last weekend. And the Saints will now face the Baltimore Ravens at home in the big easy. The Saints defense was solid last weekend, allowing under 200 yards of total offense. Mo, you like them here as three point home underdogs against the Ravens. Give us a little more insight.
2: Yeah, solid is uh, putting it mildly for sure what they did to the Raiders. <laughs> Uh, that was an interesting experience, actually, was watching the Raiders in Las Vegas, uh, you know, going to a couple of the sports books. And they definitely uh, make an effort to uh, put the Raiders on center stage by they, they pipe in the, the sound and the announcers from the Raiders over the other games. So uh, that was cool to see. Yeah, and another strong game for this Saints offense. Uh, Just seems like week after week they go out there, they move the ball with no names, and they score points. And I know that the Raiders have a pretty stinky defense, but, you know, uh, it's just kind of how many weeks do we need to see the Saints go out there and perform on offense? Andy Dalton's just playing good football outside of those picks he threw uh, against the Cardinals. Uh, He's been very good for them, and I I think good in in the sense of uh, just – doing what he's supposed to do. You know, I give a lot of credit to the coaching staff. Uh, I, I think they're working with a lot of injuries and working through these injuries successfully. They're not letting it drag down this offense when it very easily could. Um, and then uh, the defense has kind of been what what we've been highlighting in the past with this team. Like it hasn't been good enough. Uh, it hasn't been good enough for for the talent level they have on that side of the ball, they've been so strong in recent years, and just just haven't been able to get it done, particularly rushing the passer this this year. But uh, you know, I was looking. This is another team that DVOA is a lot kinder to them than the EPA data. So once again, that's telling me they've very likely faced a tough slate of opposing offenses. Because DVOA has them 12th, so um, maybe their struggles are somewhat a product of, you know, facing the Bengals with Jamar Chase, hitting their stride, stuff like that. Uh, This Raiders passing offense is not a picnic, and they completely shut them down. So I've been expecting better things from this defense, and they might be putting it together now. I think facing the Ravens here. So there, there's some plus threes out there. You got to pay for it. Uh, minus 120 on the plus three. Um, but this Ravens passing offense hasn't looked that good in recent weeks. I know Eli has been, uh, you know, pumping the Ravens, uh, full of gas as much as he can, but you know, I, I, I have, I'm invested in the Ravens too, but i I'm not liking what I'm seeing from this passing offense lately. They started out the season so hot and uh, it feels like ever since Rashad Bateman went down, they just haven't really been the same. So I I looked up uh, what their performance has been since he got hurt, which includes some games where he did try to come back. I think maybe wasn't a hundred percent. So since week five, Ravens 15th in offense EPA overall and 23rd in passing EPA. And that's a massive drop off from where they were at in their early games. So I do think the Bateman injury, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but just when your other receivers are this poor, I think it's making a real mark. And then speaking of marks, Eli's favorite player, Mark Andrews, Hasn't been as effective lately. I think dealing with some injuries. Well, we know dealing with some injuries, and I, I think with those two banged up, I'm just not that worried about this passing game, and and that should mitigate kind of if Marshawn Lattimore doesn't come back here. Uh, it's just not a it's not a, a matchup where I think that's as big of a deal. I, I just the Saints. I think if you only can get a two and a half, I would also consider a teaser there. Um, I just don't see the Ravens running away from them here because even if the Ravens go up, they're probably going to run the ball a bunch. Saints, very strong against the run. So I think, whatever way you want to approach the Saints here, I, I like a play on them.
0: Very smooth transition there with the speaking of marks, Eli's favorite player, Mark. I got to give you credit. That was a nice, smooth (laughs) transition Um, from my perspective with I mean, the Saints have been moving the ball and it seems like the team is prepared to continue to start Dalton because of that reason. Even though Jameis Winston is healthy, they've come out and said if they continue to move the ball on offense, they're going to stick with Dalton. He was able to turn things around from his three interception performance in week seven to go on and throw two touchdowns and zero interceptions in week eight. And obviously, Kamara had an impressive game as well. And I do agree with you that the offense has been firing. But for me, Dalton has been Dalton's too inconsistent for me. I know that you say he's been playing well besides that Arizona Cardinals game. But just with his inconsistency and with that game, it's just stuck in my mind. I'm actually going to pass on this one, I just personally don't like it for me. Eli, what are your thoughts?
1: I mean, Mo said that I'm high on the Ravens, and I do have Super Bowl futures <laughs> We know on the Baltimore. futures, yes. You know the futures, you know you jinxed them earlier yeah. in the season. But, but, Nicole, luckily for you, the injury front is starting to get <laughs> a little cleaner. So there are some keys here for me, and I'm not saying I'm betting Baltimore. I don't think there's any value in the line, per se, with Ravens minus two and a half, even. But Ravens are getting healthier up front, and we saw it two weeks ago, especially in that second quarter. I know variants didn't go my way. I backed the Saints and Dalton through those two pick sixes late in the first half, but he did it under pressure. And the Cardinals' pass rush has surprised me of late going back to that game and last week against the Vikings. Raiders are about average in terms of pass rush win rates, so last week's game and how the Saints established things on the ground didn't really help that front seven in terms of generating pressure against Dalton. And Ravens are around the same, but they are getting healthier up front. Bowser was activated, and he should play in this game. David Ojabo, the rookie defensive end, also should be back. You add Roquan Smith at linebacker, which helps their pass coverage immensely at that position. And then to most point, too, when he mentioned Lattimore, I know Bateman's going to be out. We did see what Isaiah likely did last week against the Bucks, and the middle of the field for New Orleans is exposable. I know it's not a Lattimore situation, obviously, with the tight end versus a cornerback, but it doesn't help New Orleans secondary if Lattimore doesn't go, and he's dealing with a kidney injury on top of the knee injury. So I actually think it's time to buy on Ravens futures if you haven't yet, considering the numbers around what it was before the season at about, 14, 14 maybe a little lower, but 16, 18 to one. I think it was 18 to one around week one. So I would bet Ravens Super Bowl futures if you want to invest that way rather than diving in here with a Ravens spread bet.
0: I would just like to let the audience know that Eli has held a grudge against me for these Ravens futures all season long. Like that I have just like personally went out there and torn ACLs and, you know, just injured these Ravens players because he thinks that I have jinxed the Ravens on the injury front, I say...
1: It continued last week. Actually, I take it back because they are banged up. Yes, they're getting healthier defensively, but they are banged up offensively. Like Mo mentioned with Bateman, Mark Andrews now. J.K. Dobbins has another injury. Gus Edwards is hurt again. So I take it all back, Nicole. You're still <laughs> screwing with my Ravens.
0: Sorry, I apologize. But uh, let's get into some WTF. What the f- before we get into the main WTF segment, I, I do want to personally talk about Halloween for a second. Um, we had sixty trick or treaters, which I thought was ve- a very solid number. I would say in between sixty to seventy five. But you guys had me join my community chat. I have one person <laughs> in my community got six hundred trick or treaters. Like wow. That is absolutely insane to me. And another person said that they thought that they got around 1,200. I think, like, because they bought 2,500 pieces of candy. They gave out, they gave each How kid How many bags two. is that? That is just, I would say the giant bag is about 250 pieces of candy. Because I have one left over. That's like a good amount of candy I personally spent $75 on candy this year, but I will say we're not the cool house because we do not hand out the full size candy bars. That is my goal next year to be the full size candy (laughs) bar house. Um, And there was a neighbor that was not only handing out candy for the kids, but they were also handing out beers and white cloths for the parents. And it's like that, that is smart. That's boss. Like, I would be exhausted handing out candy to, 12, 6 to 600 to 1,200 kids. Like, I would need to take off work the next day if that's how many <laughs> trick-or-treaters we got to our front lawn. So basically, that was just my fun story. I hope you guys all had a great Halloween, but we'll get into the real WTF segment here, which Eli found in an article that ran in the Review Journal that showed that mattress mac unfortunately his wife is in the hospital she's dealing with pneumonia and another lung disorder that i personally cannot pronounce so i'm not going to butcher it and he still went to the phillies astros game so i don't know what are your, what are your guys' opinions on this one is that the wrong yeah. wrong move
1: I, I always do this with my girlfriend right like you you talk about other people's relationships and then you're like well we don't know what's really going on with them it's you don't want to judge too much but at the same time The guy is, you know, he gets a lot of fame and credit in the newspapers, obviously, with the Review Journal in Vegas and online from a sports betting standpoint, because he has all these astronomical futures bets on the Astros, but he's also hedging them within his own mattress store. So it's it's a net zero, and it doesn't matter whichever side wins, he's just getting the, the headlines regardless. So... He wants to go to Philly and have a good time. Maybe his wife doesn't care. I also held back some vulgar language there. Maybe his wife truly just doesn't care and wants him to have a good time in Philly, and that's they're at that point in their relationship. So good for, good for him. Good for him for going to Philly and then swearing at fans <laughs> afterwards. Uh, then again, Philly fans be uh, pretty rough too.
0: I don't condone the altercation at the game, but I'm just going to say <laughs> I've been in a relationship now for... Mm, like five ish years and they have been married for 41 years. And at that point I'm with the wife, like go to go to the game. Like, there's – he cannot be helpful in that hospital. He's probably driving her absolutely insane because she's trying to get over pneumonia. And he's just talking about this, either this mattress promotion or these bets. Like, the last thing she wants to do is be sitting in that hospital bed next to him watching the World Series on, like, a 720p, like, 12-inch TV in the hospital room. So, she was probably, like, please for the love of God, like, just get out of my hospital room and go so that I can – so that I can get over my sickness. But mo, what do you think? Right or wrong move? Go to the go to the game.
2: <laughs> I'm always pro going to World Series games <laughs> since I haven't been to one and I was planning to go to one this year if it was Braves Astros. That was me and my buddy's plan. He's an Astros fan. I like Why Braves? did you go last year? Too poor. <laughs> okay. no, I'm rich. All right, so, so this, this year was different.
0: This year more winning. Bets, apparently. Money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's fair.
0: That's fair. <laughs> God, after 41 years, I can't, who knows what these people, I mean, God, I can't even fathom being married for that long. So, you know, just like do what you gotta do. Go get your hot dog and, and like the Astro's, got blown out anyways. So, you know, it was, she probably got her revenge anyways, if she didn't want him to go, but
1: yeah, maybe, maybe she spent, (laughs) maybe she bet their life savings on the (laughs) Philadelphia Phillies to make this a little or more against her, uh, her current husband. Who knows? They might get divorced after this.
0: Maybe she got a, maybe she got a revenge bet in. So you never know. All right, guys, let's take it. Uh, back into some football and we'll start I I ended with the Pirates let's start with some more disappointing teams the Bucks and the Rams have both lost three of their last four games and we'll go on to face each other in Tampa the Bucks are two and a half point home favorites Mo you like them here tell us a little bit more
2: yeah this is like the NFC disappointment bowl um (laughs) I guess we already had one version of this with uh, Bucks and Packers. So maybe the Bucks. Yeah, but that was to... earlier in the season. So yeah. at least there was still an optimism or optimism. Yeah, they, with that. they both still had hope then. Uh, <laughs> it's gone. Maybe now. the, maybe the, <laughs> maybe the <laughs> Bucks go to one and one in the disappointment bowls here. <laughs> I do, I, and I should say, plan is for me to be in attendance at this game. So, along with the boss. So. Should be fun. We thought the tickets to this were gonna be running us about so preseason when we checked, they were like four hundred and fifty bucks a piece. They should be paying us to go in now. I think it's <laughs> gonna be like a hundred bucks. Uh, just had to wait for these teams to lose like a combined eight games. Yeah. I was watching that Bucks Ravens. I think we all were obviously primetime game there. Second half collapsed, obviously, but the Bucs completely dominated the Ravens in the first half. I mean, the Ravens were even lucky to be on the scoreboard. Uh, They just had that field goal off of five-yard field, basically. Uh, I think they muffed punt on, like, own 12 or something and then kicked a short field goal. Uh, So, yeah, Ravens were lucky to even be on the scoreboard. They dominated in the second half. You know, credit to them for that. But I I think the Bucs maybe aren't quite as bad as the market thinks right now. They are coming into a good spot here with getting extra rest and Rams traveling cross-country here. Uh, uh, basically, starting there, I'm already looking into the Bucks, and then when I'm looking into this matchup, uh, I'm liking the fact that the Bucks run D, which has been really, really bad in some of the games. I don't really have to worry about that at all in this game um uh, you know the chiefs completely steamrolled them on the ground the panthers did as well the ravens in the second half but but the rams offensive line has been just atrocious all year at basically every part of football they can't pass block they can't run block um adjusted line yards uh to to put a number on it adjusted line yards from football outsiders they're Second worst, or no, actually dead last, sorry. Dead last in the league in adjusted line yards. This offensive line, series of injuries, and just been getting wrecked basically all season. Uh, We've just seen it multiple times with the 49ers. They had a decent half of offense against the Niners, but then second half, they just completely got shut down. Um, Basically, once it got outside of kind of scripted plays and the game plan... It was ugly, and the Bucks. I like that they're basically backs against the wall here, playing for their season at home. Um, I like that we've seen the Rams destroy the Bucks in the interior O line in the past. They've really uh, had kind of had the Bucks number in past years, but this year. The Rams' uh, pass rush has not been quite as strong. Thirty-first uh, in pressure rate. It's pretty shocking to see uh, the the Rams rank that low in pressure rate uh, when you have Aaron Donald still playing at a very high level. But but that's just how kind Nova of No Von Miller. Yeah, yeah, lose Von and just I don't know. It just hasn't been as good. And and I, hopefully for my sake and. Tom Brady, who I <laughs> detest, but he <laughs> has really struggled versus that interior pressure. And and it's always kind of been his kryptonite is when you can get into his face, uh, because he's so strong at navigating the pocket from from the outside rushers. You know, he's very good at like uh, moving his ultra slow feet and, and getting into the right <laughs> position so he can still get the ball out of there. But it's tougher when when it's coming right up the middle. And I also like that. The Bucks plugged in some dude named Leverett. I don't know. He just to way let you better. guys
0: know, that is exactly how Mo has yeah, ran in on his Leverett, notes. Something he Leverett way better
2: than the starter. He did. <laughs> oh, so that that could help. Something got a key. That rookie, he's been getting his ass kicked all year. And uh, something Leverett might be an upgrade. Who knows? <laughs> uh, another injury here to monitor Cooper Cup. It sounds like he's definitely going to play, but what if he's not as effective, you know? Uh, Considering the way this offense has performed, they've been basically horrific at any play where they're not targeting Cooper Cup. I mean, so if he's less than 100%, I'm just, I don't know what they're going to do here. Uh, So minus two and a half. I was very surprised to see this uh, south of three. You don't have to pay too much for it. Minus 115. I don't mind minus three uh, plus 100 either. I think whatever you want to do there is good. I I like the Bucs to... I guess I could say end the Ram season here. Yeah. yeah, I
0: think it's, I, I think it's already over. But yeah, it would pretty much <laughs> end it here. Yeah, this is a this is a tough one for me as well. Like both teams have just been. So underwhelming this season, the Bucks have the worst rushing offense in the NFL. LA's offense isn't much better. Like you said, cup is likely going to play the game, but we have no idea how effective he's going to be. He left last week early with an ankle injury. So like for me, it's just, it's another pass here because I, I, I hope they I hope the Bucks win for you if you're going to be in attendance, although it seems like it might kill you on the inside to see Tom Brady win a game. But like <laughs> this one's just so gross for me. I'm going to have to pass. Eli, do you have a do you have a take on this one?
1: Yeah, I would lean with Mo here. I've been against Mo the last few weeks, but actually I, I did side with him on the Packers, I guess, in the end last week. <laughs> But yeah, you know, going back to it, actually one thing that I will say, took another shot at the Ravens for that first half performance. It did set up the run game. So as much as we were both being critical in discord about Baltimore's pass-heavy offense at the first half, they wore down that Bucks defense and then they ran it all over them in the second half. So got to plug my Ravens, of course, shameless plug <laughs> to Baltimore. But the Rams offensive line still very banged up, even though Brian Allen is back at center. And Bucks under Todd Bowles, going back to that Packers game, even another game that that Mo mentioned, the only reason why the Bucks were able to stay in that game in the second half and the Packers didn't blow them out, even late in the first half, was because Bulls and this Bucks defense can wheel up a ton of pressure, and they should be able to do so yet again with this blitz-heavy defense and their secondary is also getting healthier. I mentioned with Baltimore Carlton Davis and Antoine Winfield and Sean Murphy bunting few key secondary members for Tampa Bay against an anemic pass offense for the Rams because they can't protect and and covers her two of most points wouldn't I don't think I'm gonna bet Tampa Bay but I definitely think it's it's the right side if you can get that two and a half I would try to to go that way
0: Time to take it into our final game of the day. The Titans had an ugly start to the season, but they are now tied for second in the AFC after winning their last five games this weekend. They will take on the Kansas City Chiefs, who are a massive 12-point favorite right now after coming off of a bye week, now head coach Andy Reid is 20-3 and after a bye, which is the best record in the NFL. But Reid and the Chiefs have also struggled against this Titans team in the past. Eli, why are you considering the Titans plus 12 here?
1: I have annihilated the Tennessee <laughs> Titans on this podcast. That was Luckily, I didn't bet the Houston Texans last week. I was going to mention Tennessee yet again. But I have had a lot of harsh criticism towards the Titans because – in terms of a lot of metrics, they have underperformed, yet they have this 5-2 and two record that seems very fraudulent, and I get that. And to Nicole's point, Andy Reid is dominant off the bye, I believe, 21-12 and 12 against the spread, including the playoffs. So playoff performance, especially the Chiefs have been great with that extra rest. And then Patrick Mahomes too off the buy nine and one straight up, five and four against the spread in the playoffs. So not as great with market giving him a little too much credit. And then two and zero straight up and two and zero against the spread off the buy at home. I believe both of those numbers coming in the the regular season. So looking back at some of these. Uh, recent off-the-buy trends for Kansas City in terms of the regular season performances. In 2021, Chiefs were 8.5-point favorites against the Broncos. So last season, they covered and won straight up, won by 13, 22-19. to In 2020, the season before, Chiefs were minus 9.5 at the Raiders. Three straight games against the Raiders, by the way, coming off the bye week here in the spiel. So 9.5-point favorites on the road. They won straight up, lost against the spread, 35 to 31 in 2019 chiefs were 10 and a half point favorites. I believe that was against the then Oakland Raiders and they covered and won straight up 40 to nine. And back in 2018, the chiefs were 14 point favorites at Oakland and they won straight up, but lost against the spread 40 to 33. So I get, we have all these positive trends that point to Andy Reid performing. So well off the bye, but you also have to take a look at the the recent sample size when Kansas City has been a double-digit favorite or over-a-touchdown uh, favorite against the spread, and the numbers don't necessarily lean his way. And you think about the Tennessee Titans, again, I have bashed them throughout the season in my writing and on this podcast but i think everything's pretty much being baked into the number at this point it was tennessee i, I want to say as 11 11 and a half point road underdogs then the market steamed this up i believe one better in particular in the last couple of days and the titans are tied for the fourth lowest net yards per play so that accounts for both sides of the ball and they're essentially tied for with with the chiefs for the highest red zone efficiency in terms of scoring touchdowns inside the 20-yard line. And then you also factor in that they may start Malik Willis, even though Ryan Tannehill is going to practice on Wednesday as we're recording this, I believe on a limited basis, you would expect throughout the rest of the week. Maybe this line comes back down to the Titans a little bit if Tannehill does play, but the ankle injury is on his plant foot. So you have to factor that into the equation. But going back to last week at the Texans, and I fully understand that it is a bad Houston defense and a bad Houston team. The Titans have faced their fair share of bad opponents during this five and two stretch to start the season, like I've mentioned on the podcast. And again, in my write-ups that you can find and in the Discord, the Lions Discord and over at thelines.com. But last week, going back to, to week eight, no Titans offensive lineman allowed more than one pressure Against that Texans defensive front. And the Titans had to pass protect just 14 times with that run heavy game script, and both of those stats coming via pro football focus. So, keyword being here if the Titans can establish a positive game script. No, I have not bet the Titans against the spread just yet. As I'm going to wait to see what happens with this line over the course of the week. Also, haven't decided if I want to pull the trigger on it, but don't like this card overall. But if the Titans can establish a positive game script with one of the most explosive running backs in the NFL, in Derrick Henry, and keep in mind the Chiefs are allowing the eighth highest rushing success rate this season and no Frank Clark, which maybe comes more into play in terms of his ability to, to rush the passer as he's been suspended, I believe, for for this game and the next. And then on the other side of the ball with this Titans defense, they have the 10th rated defense overall or top 10 defense that is in regards to opponents expected points added per play. Kristen Fulton is playing at a top 15, top 10 level over at Pro Football Focus and the Titans can also Rush the passer with Simmons and the rest of this defensive front. And similar to Washington, who I mentioned earlier, they don't need to blitz to do so. So all those factors being considered, again, I get I have bashed the Titans. But similar to my Providence hate going back to last college basketball season, I think all the factors are being baked in enough where there might be a little value here to back Tennessee. And I know is I know Mo is going to kill me for it, but <laughs> might have to go with the Titans here as... Hefty, hefty road dogs at the Chiefs, even with Andy Reid coming off the bye.
0: I'll give Mo the final say. Um, for me personally, if if we you touched on it, Tannehill is limited at practice. We don't know whether or not he's going to start. If he doesn't play, I do think this line probably moves even more in the Chiefs' favor. But running back Derrick Henry who can put up some numbers. And if he can put up even like 75% of what he did last week, this game, I do think might be closer than the odds makers are, are expecting. He rushed for 219 yards with two touchdowns last weekend. He now has over 100 rushing yards in his last four games. The Chiefs did have one of the best run defenses in the first four weeks of the season, but that has not been the case as of late. I personally am not going to look at the spread here, but once these Derrick Henry props come out, I would like to take a look at those. They're not live yet, but I'll probably be taking a look at Henry rushing yards or a a touchdown prop here for this game. But now, Mo, I know you're ready. Oh, go ahead.
1: So, Nicole, first time, I think, on the podcast all season, that you have correlated two of your bets for the games that I've discussed, my direction. I just would like to give you a round of applause for that because I have not felt this sort of love from you on the podcast that you have have gifted me with on this episode. Thank you. Thank you for that.
0: You're welcome. I was going to say, I do think this is the first time that I have actually passed on both of Mo's games and <laughs> have been siding with you. So thank Things change, you know? It's never too late. Week nine, <laughs> we can turn things around. But, Mo, I know you have something to say about this. So, let's just uh, – let's – go ahead. I mean, the floor is yours. Yeah, first
2: of all, I want to say if Malik Willis starts, the Chiefs are going to win by 30. And don't bet any <laughs> amount on any size spread on the Titans because it ain't going to be mm. big enough, okay? Okay. There's- Absolutely no way Malik <laughs> Willis, who had like 80 yards passing or something in the last game, is going to do anything in Arrowhead in a negative script. Okay? This team is bad, like Eli was talking about. This is a bad team. The Titans are not good. Um, the only thing they can do is slam Derrick Henry into the line. thing about that is I know that the Chiefs like have had some tough games where they're not performing the best against opposing running backs. But, I mean, look at the passing games backing these guys. I mean, Josh Jacobs. Like, the Chiefs are trying not to get beat by Devontae Adams. Like, they're not caring about some Josh Jacobs seven-yard runs. That's not that big of a deal. And and they're still been very good at, like, preventing the huge plays, which I think is just what you're going to need here if you're the Titans. Like, you need 80-yard touchdowns, not 15-yard runs. And, and the Chiefs are... They've actually been pretty strong against preventing the very long runs. So they're going to make the Titans move it first down by first down. And I just don't think it's going to happen. Okay. I know Ryan Tannehill's been pretty good, but this is a tough spot for the Titans for sure. Uh, This is an atrocious passing game overall. Just, you just don't have any weapons. And I I would lean to the Chiefs. I, I think a line between. 11 and 14 is probably fair. So uh, not really having any interest in betting the Chiefs if Ryan Tannehill is in there. But I would say, like, I've bet on a few backup quarterbacks in my day, okay? This is not the spot for it.
1: (laughs) In my day, like you're some 80-year-old grandpa in my day.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm not sitting here trying to pretend like, you know, I'm just auto-fading these backups. I just... Sure, sure. Malik Willis in, in a negative script. This guy's not even ready for, like... The Texans, clearly. I mean, he's just handing off. So I, I wish him the best, but it's not going to go well.
1: No, I mean, if if this game gets to a negative game script for the Titans offense and Malik Willis is under center or in read option shotgun, it's not going to go well. But the question is, does it get, no, does it get to a, a negative game script for Tennessee?
2: What I would say about this is I, my, I, can't, I don't have anything to back this up, but my anecdotal experience <laughs> is that the Chiefs don't do well as very large favorites the last few years. I don't think they... I think they come out a little bit sleepy in some of these spots. So, yeah, I could definitely see the Titans hanging around. I I just don't think it's going to be any sort of remote sweat for the Chiefs to pretty easily win this game. But, yeah, if the Titans do fall behind, if it's like 14-0 Chiefs, I, I guess just bet whatever the live line is for Chiefs because... The Titans are just going to get buried after that.
0: All right. Well, we shall see this weekend. And if you are betting this weekend, good luck with your bets. As always, thanks for tuning in with us. Eli and I will be back tomorrow with a special guest to take a look at some behind the scenes action for sports betting and what it is like to be in the risk side of the sports betting industry. Have a great day. We will see you next time.